Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. It is officially week eight. Yes, if you are a little scared, I am too. We are already at week eight of the NFL season. We have a lot to talk about. The Miami Dolphins are dealing with plenty of injuries. We are a week away from the trade deadline. We are going to get into some fun stuff today, but I'm no fun by myself. I got to welcome my co-host, Joshua Houts and Merrick Brave. Gentlemen, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, boys. Uh, you guys got to come on here the last couple of days and vent your frustrations over Sunday's loss to the Eagles on Sunday Night Football, and, and I haven't had the chance to do so yet, so maybe we'll get into that today. Uh, maybe we won't. I don't know. We'll see We'll see where the conversation takes us, but I'm a little, I'm a little fired up right now. I'm feeling a little feisty Uh-oh. today. Yeah, well, you're a world champion wrestler, so it makes sense that you're all jacked up on uh, Mountain Dew, Code Red, or um, Muscle Milk, or whatever it is that... Uh, but what was Probably it? F- fight milk. It was fight milk that uh, on Always Sunny, right? It was like the most messed up <laughs> stuff. So um, I actually had some time to reflect since our last pod. So I have no issue going back over that Eagles game. Um, but again, it's Wednesday. Merrick's here. Jake's here. We got the trio. So I'm just excited to be here and talk Dolphins football with you guys. But yeah, if you want a vet, man, let's do it. Yeah, we had our airing of grievances. Go right ahead. We we have tried not to talk about like penalties and the tush push since, but we will allow it. We will let you. I've uh, thought about it a lot, though. So let's hear what you have to say. Then I'm I can uh, vent about what I've just discovered. Listen, like I want to know when the Miami Dolphins are going to beat a team on the road that's considered a, a, a high caliber, high quality team, a top level team uh, in the league. I want to know when it's going to happen, and it's not just this year. Losing to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, what was it week four and then losing to the Eagles this past weekend it's been a common theme for the Miami Dolphins in the last regime in this regime as well Uh, you know there's only so many moral victories I can take before I want you know actual victories against good teams last year in the playoffs the Miami Dolphins had themselves a hell of a moral victory against the Buffalo Bills on the road starting their third string quarterback guess what They were sitting on their asses on the couch the next weekend while the Buffalo Bills went on to play, I believe it was the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't want moral victories. I want actual victories. I want wins. And I know a lot of Dolphins fans are, what what do they call it, injecting copium this week? Uh, (laughs) over what happened against the Eagles on Sunday, but I'm not one of them. I'm frustrated. I'm a little pissed off at what happened. I thought the defense played much better than they had in many games so far this season. So I am a little encouraged with that defense, specifically our defensive line. I thought Bradley Chubb looked amazing. Uh, Probably his best game in a Miami Dolphins uniform since being acquired at the trade deadline last year. He had two sacks in this game. So that's really good. If he can continue that throughout the season while Jalen Phillips uh, uh, is able to, you know, get back into form as he as he regains his health. You know, he's got the oblique injury. Plus, you get guys like Jalen Ramsey back. Xavier Howard didn't play this game. I got a little. I got to take like some copium. Sounds like I'm I, already hearing some copium. I, I feel good about the defense, but I do take umbrage with the fact that Xavier Howard didn't play this game. This is something that has frustrated me, and I'm a huge fan of Mike McDaniel. I really am. I like Mike McDaniel. I'm very happy that he's the Miami Dolphins coach. I hope he's the Miami Dolphins coach for many years to come. This team, ever since the Tua Tonga-Vailoa 
non-concussion against the Buffalo Bills last year, and then the actual concussion the following week against the Cincinnati Bengals, and all eyes were on the Miami Dolphins, and, and they were scrutinized, and maybe rightfully so, they should have been scrutinized. That scared the shit out of Mike McDaniel. That scared the shit about out of this entire team. They have been so soft with injuries since then. They have been so, you know, careful with injuries since then. And Xavier Howard said after the game, not this past week, but the week before when he suffered the injury, I'm good. I'll play next week. I'm good to go. Throughout the entire week, he said, I'm good to go. I'm ready to play. And then the inactive list comes out on Sunday evening and Xavier Howard's name's on it. And Connor Williams' name is on it as well. And he had been, you know, pressing to play in this game. So we get a, a game against a top-tier team without our starting center, who's been playing great football this year, without Xavier Howard, who's having a bounce-back year. And it felt like these guys wanted to play. And at some point, you have to understand, this is professional football. In my business, we have a saying, and it goes like this, it ain't ballet. All right? You got to stop treating these adult men like little children and quote unquote, protecting them from themselves. These guys know their bodies. If they say they can go out and play, let them play. Cause I'm getting a little sick of this, uh, you know, tiptoeing around these types thing, these things and, and, you know, erring on the side of caution. You want to be one of the best teams in the national football league. You got to beat one of the best teams in the national football league. And so far the Miami dolphins, haven't done that. So I'm a little perturbed at the injury situation. And then I also thought the offense didn't play very well. Uh, now, granted, you're down to some backups at left tackle, left guard after Isaiah Wynn went down. Now he's on IR. So sheesh, that's that's going to be a struggle. Already talked about Connor Williams not playing. So we had uh, Liam Eikenberg in the game, which is just always a blast, is it not? Uh, so yeah, we, we did have some players missing, but this is the NFL. The Eagles had some players missing too. They still put a hurting on the Miami Dolphins. Sometimes your backups are going to have to play. And as the season wears on, you're going to suffer more injuries and more backups are going to have to play. So these backups need to be ready to play. The Dolphins run game was non-existent as a result. The pass game was a little bit off. Tua actually don't have a lot of negative to say about Tua. Obviously the underthrown interception where he was targeting Raheem Mostert late in the game, which was a pass interference penalty that was not called. One of many, many, many penalties that weren't called in that game. But it wasn't Tua's fault that the passing game wasn't working. We got a wide receiver out here making $30 million who's been kicking ass all season long. Don't get me wrong. Tyree Kill is a phenomenal football player. Happy he's on the team. But he's out here dropping balls left and right, dropping a touchdown, a would-be touchdown that would have kept the, the Miami Dolphins in this game. Uh, what's going on here? Why are we, as the Miami Dolphins, and I am not a member of that team, but I'll say we in this, this instance, this scenario, why are we unable to show up in big games against tough opponents. And instead we're sitting here trying to, to trying to pick through the pieces to find something positive to say about this game. This game pissed me off and I'm still pissed off and it's a Wednesday and I'm a 37 year old adult man that shouldn't be this mad and this emotional about a, a GD football team, but I am because I care. And I want these things to get that these issues to get corrected. I want these things to get fixed and I want the dolphins to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender and not just, Hey, gosh, darn it. These guys are really fast. Isn't that cool? I don't care about records. I want a Lombardi trophy. I'm old and I don't want to die before it happens. All right. Rant's over. 
I, I was just gonna say, imagine how uh, you would feel if you spent a shit ton of money to sit behind the bench and and go <laughs> and go there to watch this game. And I mean, I'm gonna be honest, a lot of people, uh, there wasn't much booing going on, so I didn't really get heckled, so I really wasn't worried about that. But they felt uh, right. sorry for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you. And I guess you should have. I mean, it sucks. The Dolphins have yet to prove that they could win a uh, big game. But um, like you mentioned, you were talking about Xavier Howard sitting out some of these other guys. I do have to kind of combat what you said because it is only what week seven. They're five and two. I mean, I'd much rather have Xavier Howard sit out of this game, which again. I paid a ton of money to go see. I would have much rather saw him out there uh, going 1v1 against A.J. Brown. But when you look at the long-term picture, I mean, I know it's so cliche to say we're trying to, you know, protect these guys from themselves. But when you look at the long-term picture, you're 5-2. and two, You hope to be competing for a playoff spot. You hope to be uh, competing in the playoffs. I, I think I'm okay with them being extra cautious. But at the same time, I know what you're saying. Xavier Howard's making a, a boat ton of money. And in this one, you definitely need them. So um, that was my rant. Uh, you mentioned the run game, only 12 carries, which is um, sad when you think about how good the run game is. And then uh, you talked about Tua talking about low end. I mean, I did the cut up late last night. I mean, it was really late at late. I had like uh, sleepies in my eyes, but dude, he made some nice throws. The anticipation's oh, there. I, I completely he played agree. a hell. Yeah, he played a hell of a game. And um, Tyreek Hill, you need to come up with that catch. I mean, he makes that catch on that slant. Um, you know, he pretty much probably walks into the end zone. I know there were guys there, but Tyreek Hill probably gets in the end zone there, and this might be a whole different game. So um, I see how mad you are, and I feel like I should be more mad for how much I spent and how you know it took away my entire day, but. I'm okay with it. We're five and two. Let's move on and let's beat the living shit out of the New England Patriots, which let's remember to Tagovailoa has never lost to. Uh, I did. I was mad. I, I still am mad. I'm still perturbed. I appreciate your attempt to talk me off the ledge. I'm extremely sweaty right now, so I might just slip off this ledge. Uh, got a little, got a little hot and bothered uh, with my rant there. I had and some I Jaeger get... for Oktoberfest. It is Oktoberfest, <laughs> right? Somewhere. So I uh... you, you were having something. I saw that picture you posted from that game. You were gone, dude. <laughs> well, I was, I was, talking, I was talking about right now. Here. <laughs> <laughs> you, what was the video? Were you singing a song uh, on on Twitter before the game? Have you gone back and looked at your Twitter feed? Do you even remember posting this video before the game started? I don't know if I told Jake, but someone offered me a gummy. And I was like, my wife's like, did you even feel anything? And I was like, no. And the more I remember, I'm like, there were definitely like spots that just kind of like completely have gone away. So you got to um, go onto your Twitter, click on your media, scroll down. I think down I was saying bit. like the F the Eagles or something, but I'll check. No, cause... you said something about in that ass, in that ass, in that ass. You were singing. Yeah. You don't remember this at all. <laughs> I, I think what I was saying about how we're going to be in the Eagles, but. And I'm not saying the A word now because I'm not censoring this thing. <laughs> you, you well, we're, we're going to put times. the explicit logo on it. Don't worry. Nobody <laughs> can yell at us. The E will be there. Yeah, we're already too far deep in the woods. I get what you're saying completely. And especially about the injury thing and wanting to sit these guys out so they can be healthier. This was an interconference game as well. So I'm sure that played into it. You'd rather have these guys healthy when you go against the Kansas City Chiefs and you're battling for first place in the conference. I get all that. But it's just so frustrating to hear a guy – of Xavier Howard's caliber, especially when you're going against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And then Julio Jones is active for this game. Didn't do a whole lot, but he's still a, a one of the best receivers in, oh. in NFL history. But when you see these guys are – Julio Jones got signed on a Tuesday. He was active on Sunday. We just saw Chase Claypool for the first time, and he got traded for three weeks ago. This team is so ultra-conservative with things like this. The Eagles offense <clears> – <throat> is going to be much more simple 
than the Dolphins offense. Let me tell you that right away. There is no play in the Dolphins offense that is literally grab someone's butt cheek. Agree, but and it's not necessarily, I don't want to harp on the Chase Claypool thing because I really don't care all that much about Claypool. And hopefully he has a good addition, a couple good blocks out there. I've been seeing making the Twitter rounds, so that's pretty cool. But my my main point is they are very conservative with, with issues like this, with injury issues like this. And it, it always feels like if somebody even gets slightly banged up, you're not going to see him the following week. Like Javon Holland, we'll get into this. Javon Holland has a concussion right now. But, you know, Mike McDaniel came out today and he said that he is progressing well through the concussion protocol. I bet my bottom dollar that Javon Holland will not be playing against the Patriots this Sunday. And that's going to be a problem because if you remember the last time the Dolphins were down one of the one of their starting safeties, the Buffalo Bills put up 48 points on this team. So that's a little scary to me. but. I just want to know why we are so ultra conservative while other teams let their players decide, hey, do I feel good enough to go out there? You know, am I healthy enough to play this weekend? And when the answer is yes, they let these guys play. Why can't the Dolphins do the same? I, I don't know. It's if a I Tua thing, right? I mean, can't we be honest? It, That's it has how to be I a feel. Thing. That's how I feel. And then the, like, uh, it was just announced that Brock Purdy was put into concussion protocol following their game against the Giants. The 49ers game on Sunday. I don't know who they faced. I think they lost. Either way, Vikings. Adam Schefter was already saying that it's been a trend throughout this entire season that if someone suffers a concussion, I don't know if they're being more strict, which, I mean, after last year, you really hope they are. I mean, there are injuries to Joe Burrow, Kenny Pickett that were never talked about. I, I do just wonder if it isn't just a Dolphin thing. I That's kind of my only concern here is if we're kind of too focused on the Dolphins because I do see Well, I mean, look at, look at Sunday's game, Jake. The Eagles started the practice week with like 29 players on their injury report, including Lane Johnson with an ankle. He played. Uh, I'm trying to struggle. I'm struggling to think of other names. Darius Slay was injured. He played. Uh, multiple players on that Eagles team who were limited or did not practice at all at the beginning of the week worked their way up through the week and ended up gutting it out on Sunday because they said, hey, we got an opportunity to beat a top-tier team in the NFL in these Miami Dolphins, and they wanted to be out there. And it feels like that coaching staff, as opposed to our coaching staff, those guys will let their injured players decide, hey, am I healthy enough to go out there and play? And they did. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the Eagles aren't any worse for wear today uh, than they were early last week. These players played. They didn't get re-injured. They're, they're ready to go, and they're ready to go out there, win some more games, because these wins and losses affect playoff seeding. And if the Miami Dolphins want to have a chance to upset some of these teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, the Cincinnati Bengals, if they you know get back on track, the Baltimore Ravens, you don't want to go on the road in these games. The Miami Dolphins want to play these games at home, and you need to win regular season games to get the number one seed in the playoffs so that you can guarantee yourself home field advantage. So How many while teams in the, the AFC East have one loss? Or in the AFC have one loss? It's just the Kansas City Chiefs, and hopefully we can give them their second loss if they don't lose uh, this upcoming weekend to the Broncos. Hopefully we can give them their second loss in Germany. But what I'm saying is these games do matter uh, in terms of playoff seeding and, and things like that. And, and a team like the Miami Dolphins, who have such a significant home field advantage, look at their record over the last however many games, like 15-2 and two or something like that over their last 17 home games. Oh, right. That's a significant home field advantage, and, and it's for a reason. They play in South Florida. It's hot there. It's muggy there. While the rest of us, you know, across the country are bundling, bundling up in December, they're still wearing shorts on the beach. So – I think these games do matter, and hopefully 
you know, the team at some point can realize that you can't just wrap everybody in bubble wrap. It's professional football. It's a violent game. Players are going to get nicked up. They're going to get banged up. And sometimes you just got to play through that crap. And it felt like Xavier and Howard wanted to play through that. It felt like Connor Williams wanted to play through that. And the team did not let them do that. And the Dolphins played a worse game because of it. It's kind of weird. Uh, do you know where the Dolphins were at this point last year? They won three, lost three, so three and three. So we were coming off games where Skylar Thompson threw for 166 yards and the Dolphins lost 40 to 17 to the Jets. And the Vikings, that loss was also ugly. Bridgewater threw for 329 yards. Week seven was the Pittsburgh win, a 16 to 10 win that pushed the Dolphins to 16 and 10. Or Jesus Christ, four and three. Long week. My I, my perspective here is we have this offense that is acting like the scarecrow. I don't know if you watched the old uh, uh, Batman show that was on the CW, super corny, but it was actually kind of a good story where it was like the scarecrow. They were spraying this this offense at people who had them losing their ever loving minds. This Broncos team still hasn't figured itself out. They're saying everyone's for sale and it's not a fire sale. They just have no idea what's happening in life anymore. I just think that the two games the Dolphins have lost so far are games that before the season, we, I mean, we probably can go back and find it in the million of podcasts we've done, probably circle those two as losses. And and when I put that kind of going, and then we probably would have said, if we're losing Kansas City, that's no big deal. All of a sudden, if, if Xavier Howard and Connor Williams aren't playing next week, I agree with you. If we're sitting here week 14 and we have these same injury issues, I agree with you. But we see guys falling off left and right. We're already talking about the Dolphins using all eight of their IR spots, which is just bananas to me. I just do kind of feel like you, you make great points. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see the Dolphins go into Philadelphia and absolutely win that game. I, I just think that the bar that the Dolphins need to pass compared to last year it is – they're at a good spot, especially when I look at the Eagles. The Eagles are 6-1. and one. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They know what they're doing. They know how to get there. The Dolphins still need to kind of go through that four-step process, right? The Bills fans have been coping about it forever, about how we're going to go from, you know, frisky wildcard team to AFC, you know, divisional round uh, frisky team, where then we're going to compete with Patrick Mahomes, and you see them swinging away from that a little bit. But I just think that this team is going to face more challenges down the road, and I think we're going to learn a lot about this team. Until, though, we do reach week 14, 15, and those guys aren't playing or other guys are being held out, then, yes, I will totally join you on the this is ridiculous. Um, I would like to speak to the manager type uh, five. And I feel you on that, Jake. And, and again, I'm guilty as well. If you would have told me prior to the start of the season that the Dolphins were going to start five and two, I would have been like, sign me up. I don't care who we lose to. As long as we're five and two, that, that sounds phenomenal. But expectations change when the Dolphins play like the Dolphins have played. When you put up 70 points against an NFL team, I don't care if they are the Denver Broncos, expectations change. When you have a receiver on pace for over 2,100 yards right now and actually was on pace for pace for 2,300 yards before this game against the Eagles, expectations change. When you see Tua Tungabailoa going out there and being in the MVP conversation and somehow looking even better than he did last year, expectations change. And if those expectations change prior to this Eagles game, I expect the Dolphins to go out there and and do something that in years past they wouldn't have been able to do. And that's go into uh, uh, an opposing team stadium in inclement weather. You know, Josh, you were there. It wasn't the worst weather you could play in, but it was a little chilly. It was a little breezy. And I expect them to be able to, at the very least, 
run the ball well, hit some of these screen plays, get some yards after catch. And it just felt like they were not able to play their game. The Dolphins weren't able to play their game. And unfortunately, they weren't able to adjust well enough to to keep the game close, uh, at least in in the final score, and, and to win this game. Because while it's cool that the Dolphins entered the fourth quarter or nearing the fourth quarter tied with the Eagles 17 to 17, that was a little fluky. They got a pick six off a deflection that went directly into Jerome Baker's I lap. I can't believe like, that angle. That was could, no, I cannot figure out that math for the life of me how it just went couldn't have been more that. perfect. So there's seven points there. So you know it would have been 17-10 without that. And then the Miami Dolphins offense, who had scored 10 points and ended up scoring only 10 points throughout the game. Three of those points were gift wrapped on a turnover where they were unable to move the ball after they got it and just settled for a field goal after literally not getting any yards after that. So in reality, without the two turnovers, the Miami Dolphins offense scored seven points. And for an offense that's been as high flying as they've been throughout this season and is on you know pace to shatter multiple records, individual and team records and, and possibly league records to only score seven points in a game against any team. And I, I agree that the Philadelphia Eagles are a great football team, a great football team. Uh, that was missing their two starting safeties and were down to their third string nickel cornerback, just saying, uh, to only score seven offensive points, really 10 points. But again, those three points don't necessarily count uh, because of the turnover there. It just, it feels underwhelming to me. It feels disappointing. And I do not feel as rosy about this team after the game against the Eagles uh, as I would have liked. And admitted, admittingly, they do have, Plenty more games to play. There's plenty more games to play. They can go out there, especially when these players come back from injury, when this team gets a little bit stronger, they can go out there and they can control the narrative. They can change what people are saying about them right now, myself included. I still love this team. I still believe in this team, but we're in a window right now. This team is up against the cap starting next season and really severely starting the season after that. You got to pay a whole bunch of players. If you're going to win a Super Bowl, you have to do it now this year or next. And if you're going to do that, there's a lot of things that need to change. And uh, I was hoping to see some of those things change against the Eagles. And unfortunately they didn't. And we got stomped by a really good team on the road. Like we have for however many years in a row now. And it was disappointing to me. Josh, you got anything? I got one final note, but I'll let you go first. Cause I've been ranting too. No. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, I completely understand that. I mean, the fact that they laid an egg, you know, sort of speak against the Buffalo Bills, who's a very good team, now kind of against the Philadelphia Eagles. You're absolutely a little bit disappointed at the way the offense played, but at the beginning of the year, like Jake said, if we came into this saying, okay, you're going to be 5-2 and two at this point, I think we'd all feel pretty good. Uh, the only other few notes I have is uh, you need to yeet uh, Liam Eikenberg straight into the sun because, um, <laughs> you know, for as nice as his stats were, what, a week ago, they were not good this week. He did not play well. And I do not want to see him taking reps at center. I want to give a shout out to the linebackers once more because we've talked about it. Jerome Baker really showed up in this one. I think he led the team with 11 tackles. He had that pick six that just dropped into his arms after uh, Darth Cater got the pass break. And then David Long's just been uh, putting things, you know, just coming on these last few weeks. But lastly, the tush push, I admittedly said I wasn't really, you know, upset about it until we played them. And, you know, I still didn't think there was an issue with it. But I saw some clips, man. And the fact that some of these guys, you know, have their hands up like Jalen Hurts rear and they're like lifting him up over yeah, the pile. he's crowd surfing he's crowd surfing I mean, over their hands uh, are like up, a pile like, of bodies they're like uh elbow deep in this dude just pushing him over the first down marker so uh definitely something the team got to look at for search. sure but 
Uh, we're five and two, so um, we'll see how they bounce back against the New England Patriots at home wearing those throwbacks, which we all would have hoped they – and that's what I was going to say earlier. They didn't take this game that seriously. They they sat these guys because of injury. We should have known they weren't coming into this, you know, giving it their all because they weren't committed to wearing those throwbacks like we all had hoped. The second don't, they get Cedric Wilson a pass, it's we, we ain't serious today. He's making don't, some plays. He's we, I mean, yeah, I'm going to have yeah, to yeah. apologize Fine, to him finally. too. And seriously, for for the listeners out there, I don't want you to think, oh, Merrick's a hater. Merrick's Merrick's out on this team. You turn heel. You're a wrestler. You turn heel. (laughs) I love the Miami Dolphins. I have always loved the Miami Dolphins. I've never had another favorite football team from the time I was five years old in the year 1991, man. I have been through thick and thin. I have been through playoff seasons with Dan Marino at the helm. I have sat through one in 15 seasons where I still wore my Dolphins hat everywhere I went. And I had people ask me if I was, you know, trying to make jokes by by dressing the way I dressed. I have 40-something Miami Dolphins jerseys. I got uh, an autographed Dan Marino helmet right sitting right over here with authentic Miami Dolphins game-worn uh pants on top of them like like i'm i'm a psychopath i love this team more than anything i still love this team and i'm going to be supporting this team through the rest of this season no matter what happens win lose or draw but when expectations get raised then my emotions get raised and when you let me down i'm gonna let you have it and that's what these last 24 and some odd change minutes have been but we're on the new england and 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 i i want to win that game so bad I'm a little worried. Uh, the So I, I love what you said about the 1-15 team. I didn't see the Dan Reno day. So all I'm saying is, at least for me, I'm like scared. Like, 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 mom, dad, let's not fight. Five and two is awesome. <laughs> but everyone is a fan. Like, we live and die every week. There's one game every week. So I, I totally understand. I stopped fighting the idea of people calling them frauds because I get it. Like, you, you lost these two teams. To close out this conversation, the one thing I want to say is, Changing expectations can be very scary because think of it this way. If you go to the casino, right, you have 300 bucks and you're like, I'm going to make this last all night. You win like three hands, four hands in a row in blackjack. All of a sudden you're sitting on $700 and you start, all right, instead of betting $50 a hand, I'm going to bet $100 a hand. My expectations changed. I started winning. You know how you lose your mortgage money for the quickest is when your expectations change. So so that's where I, I don't want to press like a panic button and change things too much and then have it just be a complete disarray chicken running around with its head cut off. But hey, let's, let's just beat New England and uh, we'll all feel a lot better. Definitely would feel a lot better with a victory against the Patriots, especially since they just knocked off the Buffalo Bills. We have a lot of injuries to talk about here with the Miami Dolphins. Positive news continues as Jalen Ramsey, his workload is increasing more and more. Mike McDaniel is noncommittal about him playing on Sunday. I think I'd wait for the Chiefs game, but to Merrick's point, but let's get them out there. Let's get these guys. Let's make sure we get these dubs. We need to make sure Tua remains undefeated against the Patriots. So, uh, Merrick, I haven't gotten your thoughts on this yet. I mean, Jalen Ramsey coming back to action. I mean, check your pulse if you're not fired up. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And we got news that uh, it actually wasn't a full meniscus repair. It was a trim. And the trim is is the is the type of surgery on the meniscus that allows you to come back a little bit quicker. So I think we have our explanation as to why he's ready to go, uh, or at least, you know, nearing uh, readiness in terms of getting back on the field. That's 
you literally can't understate how important that's going to be to this defense. That frees up these guys to do so much more. That frees up Cater to to move back into the, the, the slot where he has been so much more effective as a professional football player. When you look at the times he's asked to play boundary corner, it does not go well for Cater Kohu. And I'm a big Cater Kohu fan, as we all are here on this podcast. But if you can get him back into the full-time nickel role, that's going to make this team, this defense, much, much better. So, so you, you get him in there. Uh, he could play a little safety as well. So that might actually solve that safety problem if Javon Holland is unable to go this week. But Jalen Ramsey is. He might help uh, fill in some snaps in the safety position, which would be good for this team. But getting Jalen Ramsey back is humongous. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what he can do when he gets up there. Hopefully he's hundred percent when he comes back and they don't have to put him on that, that pinch pitch count that they had Jalen Phillips on these last couple of weeks. I just like to see a full go from Ramsey here, but I think obviously, you know, it goes without saying this defense is going to be significantly better when Ramsey comes back. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm hoping X is around, right? Because we continue to hear how you know stoked you were for this defense, this secondary. Um, Jalen Ramsey coming back is going to you know inject so much life into this thing and and let Vic Fangio do things that he dreamed of. But you hope X is out there. You know he's suffering from this what groin injury. Um, if he's not out there, I mean, we're kind of in the same situation. But getting Jalen Ramsey back is huge, and he can come down, play in a box a little bit, move in, play nickel. You know, drop down, help in the run game do a lot of things and you know how excited he is to go out there and prove all the doubters wrong. So yeah, man, let's see the way this all thing shakes up. But uh, Javon Holland, right. Concussion. He's um, that was scary. Yeah. They didn't even show it at the stadium. So I don't even know that I still saw a good angle of him and David Long, but didn't David Long not return to the game. Javon Holland did. And then uh, Javon Holland had a concussion and David Long was perfectly fine. Is that not how it worked out? Concussions, man. It's just, it's crazy. Um, a little context, too, for last week, neither Xavier Howard or Connor Williams practiced on Wednesday. They both practiced today. Just for a little, let's hope, trending in the right direction. Um, Adam Schefter actually just tweeted out that Raheem Mostert missed practice on Wednesday due to an ankle injury. That one, I mean, Mostert's been getting rest for most of the season on Wednesdays. I'm not super worried about that. Tyree Kill missed practice with a hip injury. That's another one where it might be a little concerning. Might slow him down a little bit. But overall, come Sunday, I, I expect both those guys to be out there. I, I don't know if you guys feel the same. But, but yeah, I, I feel, still feel fairly confident about those two. Yeah, and... and... You you better hope Tyree kills out there. You know he he does so much. Even though I, I think he only had what, back. River Craycraft. Yeah, that's another thing you got to mention. River Craycraft. Bobby Chosen is basically a poor man's Tyree kill, right? <laughs> you keep you keep pushing that narrative, Josh. One day it'll come true. His but, visor's cool. His visor's cool. It is cool, but uh, yeah, River Craycraft. His window to practice, you know, uh, to be activated from IR, you get 21 days from that. That was uh, that was open today, so you you should be seeing River Craycraft come back at, at some point here. Um, hopefully, not at the expense of Tyreek Hill. So hopefully, that hip injury is not all too concerning. Um, he was in and out of the game on Sunday. I believe it was you who broke the news, Joshua, that he had entered the blue tent at one point. I hadn't seen that from anybody else on Twitter. Um, so we saw that from you. We'll give you your, your flowers on that. Uh, so hopefully not an issue. He did finish the game. And, and even though he only had, I think it was like 40 or 44 yards, something like that against the Patriots last time these two teams met, um, he still is 
the type of player that opens things up for everybody else. So if Belichick wants to take away uh, Tyreek Hill, you can still get the ball to Jalen Waddle, who thankfully is not suffering from those back spasms uh, that, that he was suffering from on Sunday night. Those seem to have cleared up. He should be able to go. The injury I want to talk about, and I want to get get your guys' opinion on this, is, is Isaiah Wynn going to injured reserve here, missing the next four games. So he's not even eligible to come back after the bye. And yeah, according to Mike McDaniel, it could be more than that. You might be looking at closer to a week 15 or 16 um, return for Isaiah Wynn. What does that mean for this Miami Dolphins offensive line, a group that had surprised all of us uh, up to this point this season and and been really a, a top unit in the National Football League? Does losing the offensive line is so important? Having a cohesive group is so important. Does losing a left guard, where, where's the line where, you know, obviously you're a starter in the NFL, you're a great player, you deserve to be there. Where's the line of, you know, you're losing a starter. We talk about all these different guys that are injured that this, we need to hit the panic button. I don't, I don't know if left guard is in that, that bucket of, you know, we lose the left guard. Now the entire um, operation is going to collapse on itself. Josh, what do you think? For me, I just don't want to see Liam Eikenberg out there, right? I mean, that might be as mean as it can be, but I, I mean, I have faith in Rob Jones. You know, Lester Cotton didn't look terrible against a very good defensive line, but uh, the kids are the kids don't want Liam Eikenberg out there either. So that'd be my. I point. would That's actually, mean, though, but I don't want to see Liam Eikenberg out there. I would actually retort that Lester Cotton didn't look good at all against the Philadelphia Eagles. Compared and, to Liam Eikenberg, I mean, it's it's a toss up, right? <laughs> Lester, I mean, that's Lester where I was, Cotton. That's what I was going with. Lester Cotton himself was responsible for a TD being taken off the board uh, on a slant to Tyreek Hill, which was a beautiful pass from Tua Tungavailoa, which was called back because of a Lester Cotton penalty. So I, don't, I actually don't feel like Lester Cotton played a very good game at all. Um, but so yeah. let's do Rob Jones. That would have been my preference. Anyway. I would feel so much better. I was, trying to feel, I was trying to be nice to Lester Cotton, but um, <laughs> okay. So if, if they, who would you rather have in there? If it was Lester Cotton or Liam Meikenberg, let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, if forced to pick the lesser of the two evils, I think I would go with Lester Cotton, especially at the left guard position. But let's all keep our hands pressed together for a quick Robert Jones uh, return, and hopefully he can get healthy. But then we need Connor Williams out there, because if he's not, then Eichenberg's playing center, and then you're – Yes. Yes. It's The dominoes start to fall a little bit with these injuries on that offensive line. I'm willing to give Lester Cotton another week. Mike McDaniel had some very, very nice things to say about him. And I, I completely m- missed the boat here. He's been in the league for like five, six years. So this isn't someone who's just kind of uh, uh, drowning as one of the younger players in the NFL. I'm not saying he's a long-term uh, option. I-, I like the idea of Robert Jones coming in and being that guy as well. Uh, neither of those guys are listed in Miami's de- death chart as a left guard. I just want that to be out there, which I think is super <laughs> confusing. Actually, Robert Jones is listed ahead of Lester Cotton. So I don't understand why Lester Cotton was the first to go in at left guard. Uh, but yeah, Mike McDaniel was the first to say, you know, Lester will be the first one to tell you uh, he did not play well. He knows what he has to clean up and he's going to work every day to do that. So that's just something to keep in mind there. But Merrick is left guard a position where the dolphins must make a trade. Or is this a position where you can get by making a little chicken salad out of, you know? I would say that if I were the man to make that decision, I would be trading for an offensive lineman at this point. And maybe not necessarily a left guard, but but left guard certainly a position of concern with that Isaiah Wynn injury. Here's another thing to consider with that Isaiah Wynn injury. Isaiah Wynn is a tackle as well. He's a backup tackle on this team. So right now you're already down to your second string left tackle in Kendall Lamb, who's playing 
uh, for Teron Armstead. Teron Armstead will come back this season for about two and a half quarters before he gets injured again. And then we'll have to force let Kendall Lamb back in that left tackle spot. Listen, I don't want to be that guy. Teron Armstead, Too soon. Great, great football player. That man can't stay healthy at all. You, you, he's he's literally just, you know, a walking doctor's note. He He's not – I hope he comes back and stays healthy. I got all uh, all fingers and toes crossed in this moment as I'm saying that. But I'm not going to – I'm not going to bet my mortgage payment on it. It's just not going to happen. So uh, with Isaiah Wind down, who is your backup right tackle? Does anyone know? Keon Smith. No, thank you. I don't know. So no, nobody right. knows. Yes, says Keon Smith. I don't know if it's real. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to see Keon Smith play meaningful snaps at right tackle. So I am trading for an offensive lineman. If at the very least, because that opens – Kendall Lamb, if I trade for a tackle, that opens Kendall Lamb uh, to be able to play right tackle just in case something happens to Austin Jackson. And that is assuming that Teron Armstead comes back and, and stays healthy at that left tackle position. So I'm trading for an offensive tackle or I'm trading for a guard. Either one. I feel good about both. And may I may I just give you a name right now? Maybe a name that we could uh, we could discuss. And this is with the caveat that I suck at math I don't know anything about, you know, cap space and all that stuff like that. I'm not sure how we fit these players in or how we afford them. But can I mention Garrett Bowles, offensive tackle, the Denver Broncos, who, like you said earlier, Jake, are having a fire sale right now. You come and get it. Who do you want? Well, I want left tackle Garrett Bowles. He can be our backup left tackle that could free up Kendall Lamb to maybe play left guard or swing over to right tackle if, God forbid, anything happens to Austin Jackson, who's having himself a great year. Garrett Bowles, 31 years old. Right now, he's got an 81.8 pass blocking grade on Pro Football Focus right now. He's actually consistently, through his career, been a very highly graded pass blocker. He's a little bit down on his run blocking this year, um, but but historically has been a pretty average run blocker uh, for the Denver Broncos. Uh, and he's only allowed one sack this year. And in limited action last year, he did leave uh, in week five with a broken leg. He only allowed one sack last year as well. So Garrett Bowles, expensive. I will admit, expensive player. Nothing scary. The cap, the cap hits a little much. It's a little high. It's not my job. I don't need to figure that out. Mathematics, not my strong suit. Apparently, my strong suit is just yelling into a microphone for the last thirty-seven You're minutes. You're doing great, though. <laughs> but they, thank you very much. But uh, Garrett Bowles, if he's available, I want him on the Dolphins. You can never have enough offensive linemen, and we saw what happened against the Eagles when you're forced to play a bunch of backups uh, at a, at key positions along that line. Uh, I don't want that. I want Garrett Bowles on this team. So what is it going to take to get him? I'm not sure. He's a former first-round selection. Can you offer a third-round pick for Garrett Bowles? Does that get it done? I believe he has one year left on his contract after this one. So you're not just – it's not a, just a, a half-season rental. Yes, How do you is. guys feel about it? Is it? Yes, because, Josh, go ahead and try to guess what Garrett Bowles' cap hit is next year. Just just try to take a it's guess. A, it's a little pricey. It's a little pricey. I don't know. Uh, eight, eight million. Oh, million. That, yeah, eight million, million sounds million good. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah, that's twenty million. Just, it's a little pricey. That's nearly eight percent of the salary cap to someone who you suggested might be a backup. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, next year, how next much year, was it? How much was it? Twenty million. I'll tell you what. Next year, he's not a backup on my team because as much as I love him, Teron Armstead is not on this team next year. If I'm the general manager of the Miami Dolphins. He's he's made of glass, and I don't. I need somebody who uh, who can who can I can depend on. 
to be out there at left tackle. And Toronto Armstead, unfortunately, is not it. So you can cut him next year and save 16 mil, but I think that four mil hit hurts the Dolphins more than than having the flexibility of the 16 mil does going into next year. I just thinking about the cap situation, I just can you find a way to get like an Emmanuel Agba involved or or something like that? A Cedric Wilson, are we gonna see should we all bet on Cedric Wilson this weekend? Because this is going to be like his coming out party before they trade him the next day. Can we uh, tinfoil hat? Time. Well, unfortunately, happen? I don't think you can include him in a deal to the Broncos because the Broncos are trying to get rid of players, not add players. But, uh, but you know, again, you do get all... out of a Wilson earlier, so you could kind of talk it into like the Tannehill deal, deal where you kind sure, of eat some sure. sets, eat a but, little bit. Sorry, you're I, I just no, I just uh, today I started thinking about some trade scenarios. We are coming up on that trade deadline next Tuesday, Halloween. Um, you know, and, and, and offensive line is, is kind of where my mind went after seeing that game on Sunday. So Garrett Bowles was a guy who's rumored to be available. Like you said, very expensive. Can somebody massage the cap a little bit? You know, I, I don't know. I'm not that guy. Somebody else can do that job. But I, I just think Garrett Bowles is a, is a solid football player who could help this team in multiple spots. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be pissed if the Dolphins figured out a way to make it work. Let me give you another name on the offensive line. Austin Corbett left guard well actually a guard i don't know if he's left or right guard i i am not a panthers fan but he plays for the carolina panthers however he hasn't played much this season he actually just got activated off of injured reserve this week practicing this week not guaranteed to play sunday uh for the panthers but uh garrett bowl or excuse me austin corbett last year last season was the highest uh, run blocking grade of his career with a 76.2. He's an above average run blocker each of the last three seasons. Former second round pick of the Cleveland Browns. Also spent time with the LA Rams. Won a Super Bowl with the Los, Los Angeles Rams. So you get a little bit of that Super Bowl pedigree coming in. Um, probably needs a, an extra week to be ready to play. Um, he's on the second year of a three-year deal that he signed with the, the Carolina Panthers. His cap hit for next year. Again, a little bit pricey. Not as pricey as Garrett Bowles. Austin Corbett scheduled to make 10.1 million next year uh, and restructures can happen and, and, and things like that. But, but Austin Corbett guard from the Panthers uh, could help solidify this offensive line, especially with Isaiah Wynn uh, missing a significant amount of time coming up here, because I really like the way Wynn was playing and I'm concerned that he's not going to be available for a number of weeks for this Miami Dolphins team. So Austin Corbett, a guy, on a, a winless Panthers team right now, they already traded away multiple draft picks um, to get Bryce Young, who's been a, a bit of an underperforming rookie quarterback for them. They might be willing to let some of these guys go to restock that 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 draft capital. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have no issue with that. I think the biggest thing for me is you, we just don't really know the severity of some of these injuries, right? I mean, a lot of these guys um, are unknown to us, you know, whether we're going to need a left guard, whether we're going to need a center, whether Connor Williams come back this week. So, um, yeah, I think they're going to need to add to the offensive line. I continue to look at the center position, and I was trying to go through and try to find some names to – to throw out there because I knew you were trying to do this, Merrick. So um, I looked at some free agents next year and another guy for the Broncos, and he's probably not even up for trade. I know he's probably up for a big deal, but uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, he's a guy that I know at played at LSU three years, started there at Denver. A lot of us Dolphin fans, I believe, uh, you know, are posting gifts of him throughout the draft process. So that's a center. So do they need a center? Do they need someone? Because how did I know you would want somebody named Cush? I don't know, but do you hear the baby crying? Because she just <laughs> oh, is clearly about, she's thinking about Lloyd. Uh, she's just thinking about Liam Eikenberg playing center any longer, and she just she can't bear it. 
Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was also a pipe dream one. I want to make sure I do that. Up. <laughs> hey, man, we're getting crazy here. These are fantasy trade scenarios, and we can do whatever we want because we're just three dudes talking on a Miami Dolphins podcast. Derrick Henry. Derrick the Henry. There you go. I, I got one for you. Aaron Donald. How about Aaron Donald, who has like a 30-something million dollar cap hit next season? They did the shake hands at that UFC game, uh, the UFC match, right? Didn't they shake hands in the crowd Who's or something they? like that? Aaron Donald and Mike McDaniel, they were they were definitely uh, in cahoots. They're about buddies. Something. Where would that where would that trade negotiation start? Zach Sealer, Jalen Phillips in a first. No, Christian, Christian Wilkins. Wilkins. Baby. Oh, no. Christian Wilkins. You need you need to get rid of some contracts. You cannot you cannot take on thirty six <laughs> mil. <and> just get <laughs> you're, you're getting Cedric Wilson. No, but you're getting rid of future year. contracts. You're getting rid of future contracts because you know you got to pay Christian Wilkins. Uh, I don't know. I mean, again, not a cap expert here. I don't know how much is left this year to be paid to Aaron Donald. So it's not the full amount, but, but yeah, I think in this scenario, certainly, which again, 99.9% sure this is not happening, but if you were to get Aaron Donald, you absolutely have to send Christian Wilkins back in the deal. He'd walk. You, you can't, you cannot make it work. He, he, you, the best way to free up the cap space would be to get rid of sealer and then let Wilkins walk at the end of the year and hope you can survive this year. I think, I mean, that's just such a crazy contract. I'd love to see, I'd love to see those negotiations happen. I'm definitely not saying it isn't a possibility because the Dolphins traded for Tyreek Hill while we were recording a podcast, but uh, yeah, I, it's so tough because it's the fantasy football trade season too. Cause you don't want to right away start with a trade that just isn't going to work. So I, I don't know if like, is Wilkins going to want to go to the Rams? Is he going to want to stay with the Rams? Are the Rams ready to pay a defensive tackle long-term that's not named Aaron Donald? It's interesting. It's interesting because the Dolphins are in a really tough spot where they're going to have to sign some guys down the road. I do wonder if they just kind of bite the bullet on one of the guys that they're hoping blooms in a year or two to get one of these offensive linemen. I like the idea of an Austin Corbett, someone who can fill in, someone you're not necessarily relying on, but you have them for two years. The cap hit isn't too uh, big where you can really integrate them into the system and really get them to be part of this team instead of the one-year rental. But I think the Dolphins, I think they have like 3.5 million cap space. They're bottom five after freeing up 1.5 from uh, restructuring Jason Sanders' contract, I think like last week, something like that. It's going to be someone who, uh, I mean, I could they find an Isaiah Wynn adjacent, a backup tackle who comes in and plays guard? I mean, we've heard it before that this team doesn't need guys who have great technique. They need guys who are going to go maul other dudes. Like, that that's how they start. So I think that'd be a nice way to uh, really get someone in here who can just pick up and start going. If we want to talk about maulers, let's just bring back Richie Incognito. How about that? I'm fine with that. I, I, I work, uh, I'm good with it. Here's the deal. They're probably not going to make a trade. I think they've exhausted that. They, they've spent a lot of draft, draft picks sending uh, those picks away for some really good players. You know, we're not going to fault them for that. Uh, they've, they've tied up a lot of money to those really good players, and they have really good players that they need to extend. You know, we've been through that list ad, nause, ad nauseum over the last, you know, year, year and a half. I don't see them making a, a trade, and even I believe – Mike McDaniel said something today to the effect of Chris Greer has not uh, popped into his office to discuss trading for any players. So do I think a trade happens? No, but uh, it's fun to fun to talk about. Maybe a sixth, seventh round pick going somewhere. I could see could, that kind of. It could, it could. I, I was joking with you guys, but I mean, they need could use a guard. They could use a center, Dan Feeney. I mean, you may as well trade for him. <laughs> I mean, get that breed. trade back. Like, what the hell? No trade backs. That, that is one of those things where if you're just trying to wheel and deal too quickly, it's like, yeah, we signed this guy to a $1.2 million deal in the offseason. Hell yeah, that's worth a fifth-round pick. We'll definitely pay $1.2 million for a fifth-round pick. But the 
fine print says Liam Eikenberg has to start. So, I mean, it's the, you got to read the fine print on those kids. The, I, and I mean, I hate to be Debbie Downer as I have been throughout this entire episode, but they were asking for this. The Dolphins asked for this to happen. Like you said, they traded away Dan Feeney. Uh, they signed Isaiah Wynn, who has an extensive injury history. A couple of years ago, they signed Teron Armstead, who has an extensive injury history. They were banking on these guys to, to take some sort of magic elixir and stay healthy this year. And guess what? Surprise, surprise. It didn't work out. Teron Armstead has been injured for the entire season. And now Isaiah Wynn suffers a significant injury, significant enough that it could keep him out for the next seven, eight weeks, uh, which is all year. I think that's absolutely kind of the vibe I got from McDaniel. It was, it was not good about Wynn. And it's interesting because if you look at a lot of the advanced analytics around Wynn, Nobody was ranking him near the top of the league in guard. I think that kind of itself speaks to how the Miami Dolphins are getting these offensive linemen to be successful. I, I go back to them just mauling people, and I think you can find the right guys to come in and be that. And it's not going to look pretty. It's not going to be super efficient, but it's going to get the job done, give Tua his 2.3 seconds to get rid of the ball, and uh, everyone will be better because of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And hopefully shout out Butch Berry. Sorry, my mic wasn't on. Shout out Butch Berry. <laughs> no, and Butch Berry has done a phenomenal job. Uh, and, and to McDaniel's credit, uh, or to McDaniel's point, hopefully with a week worth of practice, Lester Cotton can look much better at that left guard spot. We better hope because the Patriots are a physical team. They're going to come in here. They're going to be, you know, all jazzed up from that victory over the Buffalo Bills. And the Miami Dolphins are going to have to do something about it. You know, that Patriots defense, they traded for J.C. Jackson, and we all laughed. Well, son of a bitch. He's been looking pretty damn good in a Patriots uniform so far. So just our luck. But but they have a, a, a tough physical test this upcoming Sunday, and they haven't fared well in these tough physical games uh, so far this season. So hopefully they can change their luck around against a Patriots team that is on an upswing after that, that victory against the bills. But I'm a little concerned. I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I'm a little nervous for this game on Sunday. It's a must win in my opinion. Before we take off here, Merrick, can we get your uh, game prediction? Yes, we can get game. my game prediction. Yes. Uh, I will predict me personally, I will predict the Miami Dolphins win. You know, I've been I've been a little down on this team throughout this entire episode. Again, doesn't mean that I I'm out on them this year. Doesn't mean I'll ever be out on this team. It's going to be my team till the day I die. Hopefully later than sooner. But they, man, they're trying to give me heart attacks every single week here uh, when they're playing these tough teams. But I, I do think we're going to get the job done at home against the New England Patriots. I think Mike McDaniel does a really good job of not allowing this team to look ahead and take any opponent lightly. So I do think they're going to they're gonna take the Patriots seriously. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be one of those games where the Dolphins dominate. I think the Patriots are a tough team. It's, it's a divisional opponent. Those games are always hard. So I will take a Dolphins victory, but I'm going to take it at a little bit lower of a score than they have been scoring at home. I think they'll score 24 points. I think the Patriots will score 20, and I think the Dolphins will eke out a four-point victory. But a victory is a victory, and we'll take it, especially a divisional victory. And uh, – hate to be that guy, but I, I, I forgot to ask my kids. I've, I've been avoiding talking about the Miami Dolphins for a couple days. It's been too painful. So. I was even going to ask who they picked because they, they've been pretty spot on with this thing. They both picked Eagles uh, or Dolphins victories last week. I was the one who, who was uh, the one who came in here and said the Eagles would win. There was just a dark cloud hanging over this game for me. I just felt bad about it from the very beginning. So, Debbie, you think the Patriots and the Dolphins game 
24 to 20. You think the Dolphins mm-hmm. are going to score the same amount as they did at Gillette with uh, Gonzalez and Matthew Judon in the line? I do. I do. I oh. do. I This offensive line worries me. It really does. And the the we don't know what's happening yet with Connor Williams. We don't know what's yet what's happening yet with Xavier Howard. We don't know what's happening yet with Jalen Ramsey. If all three of those guys play, I'll feel a lot better about this. And and I think that maybe they'll get some turnovers, which could lead to some more points from this offense. I need to know what's going on with Tyreek Hill as as the week progresses. But uh, I think it's it's just one of those games against a tough opponent. You know, a divisional opponent where you're just going to have to, it's going to be a little bit of a slog. And, you know, this ankle injury for Raheem Mostert's popping up today. It's got me feeling just a little nervous about this game. So I do think we'll win, but I think it'll be a little bit closer than we'd like. And I think, um, I think maybe they'll, they'll play it a little bit more conservatively to save some of these big, big plays for the Chiefs in Germany the following weekend. I, I'm just going to, I'm really trying to lift you up here. I mean, for so long, it was the reverse, right? The Dolphins were at the bottom of the division and the Patriots were, you know, walking to AFC title after AFC title. However, however, we all knew that the Patriots killed the Dolphins. However, Tom Brady struggled in Miami. So how did the Patriots kill the Dolphins? Where was it? At home. At That's home. true. Yeah, it was. That's it was. why I think I'm hoping I'm praying to God this that the Philly team Philly game didn't just completely disorient this unit and, and the offense gets scared and doesn't know what to do. I hope to God this is like the Patriots coming off a loss looking like that team in New England where every time you hear a horn, you just roll your eyes because you know a big play is coming. That's my hope. I understand your fears, but uh, I, I don't think I can trust this team to score just 24 points after 24 in July. I hope. I hope we'll see. And you know what? To these Eagles fans that were trying to rub it in our faces after this game, go Diamondbacks. There it is. There it is. Josh, can we get any final thoughts from you? No, I agree with both you guys. I think the Dolphins are going to show up this weekend. They're going to beat the New England Patriots. And I do think it'll be more than you said, Merrick. I think two of below six and zero against Bill Belichick, and he'll still be undefeated. And we can tweet that out for at least another week. God, I, I, there's the crossroads of if the Dolphins beat the Patriots, who cares? It's another bad team. And there's the crossroads of if you just lose to the Patriots, all of a sudden you lost to a bad game. So, I mean, there's no, there's no you don't want that. How, how will we respond if the Dolphins lose to the Patriots? Will you guys be on my level at that point? Will you be ready oh, yeah. to come on here and, and, and lose your I'll minds? be lower than that, probably, because then we're looking at Kansas City. If we lose the tour record, if we, that, that's everything. It's scary. Oh, don't even want to think about it. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I mean, we had Mac Jones. You brought it we, up. Yes. Mac Jones averaged 5.5 yards per attempt in New England. Uh, 42 pass attempts. He threw an interception, was sacked four times. The Dolphins held the Patriots to 3.5 yards per carry. I think this Dolphins defense has gotten much better at, since then, too. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we will see a fun result. But that is it. That is all the time we have here on another Dolphins podcast. Be sure to follow my guys on Twitter at Houts. Brave 13 You can find me, jmendel94. Every single podcast that comes from another Dolphins podcast can be fine, can be found, we'll go with, on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Every show with Joshua and I, and that includes the ones from there, can also be found on YouTube. You can find those at the 560 WQAM YouTube channel. But that is it. We'll be back this week with more shows. But until then, fins up. Fins up, baby. Fins up. Fins up.